This is John Bailey. Keep listening to Love That VoiceOver. Love That VoiceOver brings you full-length interviews, sometimes love bites, little quickies. Always the fresh perspective of personalities inside the industry about the art and artistry behind the mic. Brought to you by voiceover artist Rebecca Michaels-Haw, also known as Love That Rebecca. Dave Fenoy here, and yep, me too, Love That Rebecca. Hey, we're back with Roger King from Toronto, Canada. Hey, Roger. Hey, Rebecca. We were just talking about a lot of the business um, angles, you know, in your business model, uh, being a talent agent representing particular talents in Toronto and Montreal. Looking at everything and how everything has been shifting around and digital this and uh, internet that, and you're coming from voiceover to voice agent, how can you look at your income since you started? How have you seen these things shift over time? And and where would you say they were or where are they now? Can you answer that? Is that a good question? Absolutely. We're talking about money. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well... um, my income went up when I became a talent agent. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, no, I, I love those commissions. No, um, I, uh, you know. I, now I, everybody's going to want to go be a talent agent. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't exactly. mean they can do it. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to do hostile takeovers of their uh, of their agents and managers. Agency. <laughs> uh, budgets obviously have gotten tighter in, in some respects. Uh, you know, we're all aware of that. And, you know, yeah. uh, um you know, the economy in general has shifted. So right, exactly. Um, and that's actually shut down some agencies. You it know? has shut down some agencies, and and um, we see a lot of people in the in the business, you know, radio, television, and film, obviously uh, getting laid off or whatever, um, or you know, producers wearing more than one hat or taking on three different jobs and that sort of thing, um, which I, tends to lead to like uh, frantic last minute calls for voice over work. So I certainly noticed a lot of more like more last minute recordings and people scrambling around that sort of thing, which I don't particularly enjoy, but it's part of the business. Um, right. But, you know, as we talked about the business model and how I go after clients that are uh, in the city where we have the roster here in Toronto and Montreal, and then I'm looking at other cities too in, in the U.S. and Canada. Um, I've found too that like the people that are interested in home studio recordings, the type of clients, are not the ones that I really want to court. That's the other part of it that I probably didn't address is that uh, I mentioned that I don't really want to be sending MP3s back and forth, but the other part of that is that I find the clients, for the most part, um, that come to an agent, I'm not talking about if you're a, a voice talent with your own home studio, but the ones that come to an agency and are looking for someone to record from home um, tend to be the worst of both worlds. They tend oh, to be cheap. And they tend to be a pain in the ass, you know. Um, yeah. And they and they'll say, you know, they, they'll want revisions for free, and you know, because the person is just recording in their pajamas, can't they just do the whole script over again? You know, no, you know. And so that's another reason why I like people who actually book a real recording studio, um, you know, where they have to go face to face, because first of all, they get the record, they get the read they want because they're with the talent, and they can get them to do it over right there, and direct them. And right. you know, secondly, they know that if there's revisions or changes or whatever needs to be done, they're gonna have to pay again um, because they're gonna have to book studio time and all that sort of thing. So, um, not to say that we don't have some clients who you know we do home studio stuff with. Um, the clients that I'm after are are still the ones that book a recording studio are there, and they their budgets tend to have been still pretty decent. You know, so uh, on the one hand, with the home studio. Uh, technology, we've seen some 
budgets go down and you know people looking to do things on the cheap. On the other hand, um, there's still enough ad agencies and production companies and television networks that are are still paying good dollar. And again, those are the clients that I tend to like to focus on. Yeah, (laughs) makes sense to me. Exactly. So in terms of over time, then, I know you mentioned that one one thing that you've noticed is the fact that there's some more last minute urgent stuff going on. But in general, you've been focusing on a particular type of client. And for those clients in particular, you're saying it pretty much even with the economic factors, the technological factors, their budgets and therefore probably we're talking the overall production uh, income moving around is still kind of the same? Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been a noticeable drop. I mean, I should say we're a non-union agency. Um, nothing right. against the union. It's just this is our niche. And uh, so we have, you know, we see perhaps more of a spectrum than my union uh, counterparts in terms of budgets and rates and all that sort of thing. And we have the f- more flexibility in terms of doing deals or whatever. Um I think the voice industry, the union model probably doesn't work as well for the voice industry as it might have in the past. The, the union here in Canada is called ACTRA, um, you know, the equivalent of, I guess it's uh, AFTRA in the U.S. And uh, they, uh, you know, they're, I've heard from countless producers that they just get frustrated because they, you know, look, I've had to fill, up, I've fill up three contracts and do all this stuff for, to get this union talent when you know, I just got to get the radio spot on the air tomorrow, you know, like so they just want to come to a non-union talent. And some people in the union who aren't uh, really up on things think that we're doing things for 50 bucks or something in the non-union world, which we're certainly not. Um, our rates are quite comparable to union rates, if, some, if not sometimes higher. Um, but we usually do buyouts as opposed to, you know, the, residuals. The residuals. But that kind of segues into another point in, in the world that we live in now. I don't think you see as, and I'm, I'm prepared to be corrected on this, but I find commercials and stuff don't run for as long as they used to. You used to hear these stories, you know, 10 years ago about someone that did a McDonald's commercial and paid for their kids' education or something. Um, right. They kept running and they kept getting the residual checks. But I don't think in the voiceover world, I think, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of sort of short campaigns, a lot of stuff going on the web. Um, so this model of... of uh, there's a know, lot more churn in the actual advertising um, content. That's exactly it. I mean, we've just done, we've had a couple of our talents doing a number of commercials for Sears, radio commercials. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like in the old days, they might have done one big campaign and the thing would have run for a year or something. Now, you know, they're in there every couple of weeks just banging off these spots and they might be cheaper on an individual basis than they used to be. But when you add up all those spots, I think the talents are probably making more money off this Sears campaign than they they might have uh, off of one a few years ago. You know, yeah, it's interesting. I've been in some of that, that regional uh, retail that seems to focus on on a in the moment strategy of, you know, a few months, maybe six months to nine months, something like that, with shifts in it, and they change, uh, you know, in their, let's say, barrage of ads over a period, a short period, and then they might change it, but they keep some kind of theme that they keep going. You know what I mean? I do, and, and they're testing out things on social media or whatever. So again, they might be, it might be a cheaper little thing like, hey, we only got, you know, 300 bucks for this or something. But then, some people are thinking of the technology as a negative in the sense that, oh, things can be done so cheaply now. But that's also a plus because they can do it cheaply. So now they can try four or five different things right. uh, and see what works. And then you get four or five gigs out of you know something that w- would have been just one, one kick at the can, you know? Right, uh, so right. So it, it's all those, little, all those little things add up. 
And I find I would rather, uh, as, from an agent's perspective, I'd rather have a talent go see a client four or five times, um, and you know, rather than just do one commercial and then we don't hear from them again for a year, even if yeah. the individual yeah. rate might be lower. Well, and the thing is, too, um, the terrain is changing under our feet, (laughs) you know, in terms of the advertising, in terms of the approach, because now there are so many more marketing channels for all of the retailers, just to name just one segment. And so in a way, they're still learning, too, in terms of that industry. I follow the ad industry a little bit, and I try to keep on top of those big changes. And I remember in the... um, turn of the century, 1999, 2000, 2001, they were still trying to figure out, well, is this thing going to take off or not? Do we need to bother to learn this stuff from the internet? (laughs) You know, and now here, you know, 12 years later, it's a major part of everybody's strategy, but they still haven't quite figured out for them in a particular market, in a particular, let's say retail, you know, shoes or, or grocery stores or whatever, you know, they're still working on how they mix it all up. And where they get their biggest bang for their buck. Absolutely. And so no, I know. Really, and it's not a bad thing for all of that to be a part of it. And I've been part of those things. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I hope other people do and that I'm not boring them. <laughs> I don't think you are. I'm giving some, trying to think of some examples. But I think you gave some really good examples. I We're going to take listening a... now are just are just opening up another bottle of wine and, and, and continuing <laughs> to drink heavily and enjoying. Yeah, because they're like, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I'm just no, they're enjoying themselves so much. They're excited, you know. <laughs> Cheers to Rebecca Champagne yeah, now, exactly. and Roger, Rebecca and Roger. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Rebecca. I just wanted to let you know to make your life more convenient, you can plug in through iTunes to love that voiceover. Just do your subscription by going on to the iTunes store, doing a search on love that voiceover and then subscribing via iTunes so that you can download it anytime you like and you can be updated constantly. So subscribe, iTunes, love that voiceover. All right, let's jump back in. So now we're back. We've been talking to Roger a lot about business. So now I want to lighten it up a little bit and we're going to still stay in the business realm. But tell me, Roger, yeah. I am your psychologist now. I'm actually, You've given I'm actually me your... lying on a couch as I talk there to you. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. I have my pad of paper and I'm writing down as I listen to you. Tell me your favorite thing that happened uh, being an agent. Oh, you mean like the like the coolest project we were involved in? or Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess uh, one of the coolest jobs we did recently on the ethnic voice talent side, which we haven't really talked about, but I, you know, I have ethnic voice talent where I represent people in different languages, and we just did a bunch of spots for the NBA um, during playoffs where the, the premise was that um, people were watching the NBA all over the world in different countries. And so we had 10 different talents doing play-by-play, fake by play-by-play, of course, of an NBA game. And then they would just intercut them in the spot, from the German guy to the Mandarin guy to the Italian guy to the Russian guy. And, uh, you know, and it paid handsomely, I might add, too. So, I mean, I love those, uh, not just because of the pay, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's fun, it's cool, it's the NBA. Yeah, I get 10 talents working on one, one gig. Um, so we love those sort of things. Um, we did have, we had a nice Very run. Fun. In Canada, there's essentially uh, three national networks, sort of the same way in the U.S. that there's ABC, CBS, and NBC. 
In Canada, one of the networks is Global Televisions National, and we had the voice, the national voice of Global Television for almost a decade. It was one guy that did it for three years, and then um, they decided to go in a different direction. So Global Television is looking for a new voice. Of course, I'm like, you know, after my initial disappointment of, you know, my guy is getting bumped yeah. right in there going, okay, who, who can we send to, you know, <laughs> to, to get it? And so they, they sent out a casting call and it sounded exactly like this guy on my roster named Todd. So I put a list together, of course, of a lot of names because I want to get as many people in there to audition as possible. But right. thinking all along, Todd's going to be like, he's what they're looking for. So they sent me back an email with audition times and almost everybody that I suggested they want to see in an, an in-person audition except for Todd. So oh, no. I, I responded and I said, okay, great. You know, I'll get these guys confirmed. Are you sure you don't want to see Todd? And they said, no, these are the people we want to see. So the auditions happened and at least three of my talents called and said, you know, I think I did well, but you know what? I got to be honest, based on the direction they were giving me the audition, I think it would be perfect for Todd. And I said, I oh, know. Oh my goodness. So then Todd calls me. He's hearing from the other talents. Why didn't I uh, get the audition? Why didn't I? I said, look, you know, uh, I've been suggesting you, suggesting you. I'm going to try one more time. I call the creative guy and I say, look, you know, I know you've finished the auditions, but I really think Todd might be the guy. Or if you at least see him, and he said, okay, if he can get down here in an hour, we'll give him an audition. Todd goes down and, you know, this ends. Yeah. Todd, Todd becomes the voice of global television for the next six years. Um, so anyway, There's I don't know. There's that crowd again. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, you know, they, they changed up again uh, earlier this year and we didn't get it. But we had that gig for like almost a decade. And if you, you know, a national uh, voice imaging gig like that is always great for, you know, an agency. And a prestigious kind of uh uh, project to be involved with, exactly. as well as the NBA play by play. That's exciting. That's yeah, that very was exciting. Fun. That was yeah. good fun. Let's not forget uh, the woman who now has spent uh, eight years being the voice of Venus, which is the soft porn pay per view network here in Canada. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we. <laughs> I did not yeah. know that. Points of pride all over the place here at the agency. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, let's talk about the opposite of that. Have you ever had a strategy bomb or backfire, or has there been a difficult moment that's just something you got to share? Well, I mean, I, you know, my personal worst uh, voiceover story was... Uh, I, I was love hired. these. Yeah, I know. It's classic. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> um, this is before I owned the agency, but it doesn't really matter. I, I, uh, was, I was hired to, re- to record one line for a radio uh, show, and it was a, like a you know, bumper thing, and it was... Uh, I, I still remember the line. Um, <laughs> well, it's not like she's going to be listening, so uh, it, was the, it was the parent report with Joanne Wilson brought to you by Sony of Canada. That's all I had to say. And I think she was paying me, I don't know, $300 or something. Mm -hmm. She must have had me do 75 takes of this thing. Every, you know, the classic, say my name with a little more uh, enunciation. (laughs) No, 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 pause before Sony of Canada. No, 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 no. It's parent. Can you lower your pitch? Yes, exactly. Can you read it more dramatic? And I want to. Can you read it from your chest? Can you read it from Uh, your nose? Exactly. The whole thing, you know. Um, Let's do one for safety. So uh, let's do 40 for safety. And... um, and finally, she said, okay, I think we got it. And then I came out of the booth and I said, are you sure you got it? Somewhat sarcastic. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, well, actually, I'm not sure. Um, oh. but she said, next time, I think we'll have to do auditions. And um, I said, okay, huh? great. Uh, so I sent her the invoice and then she sent me back a check for $50 and said, we couldn't use any of your takes, uh, but I do oh. want to pay for your time. Uh, oh. 
so no, I got on the phone and I just said, look, you know what? You, you're sending me a check for the entire amount. And then she's arguing with me, but yeah, we couldn't use the takes. I said, look, I gave you every, I did everything that I was asked to do. And, you know, this is absurd. And anyway, she did send the money, which was, you know. Uh, Thank goodness. I, I guess that was my first inkling that, hey, I could be an agent. Yeah, good job. I good can job, argue Roger. Well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the show was still on the air. I can't believe it. Anyway. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's a chemistry thing. <laughs> yes, it is. That's right. Seriously, seriously. Now, and that would be um, an example if, if I was the agent and the talent was calling me and telling me what happened. See, that's an example. The client is not always right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, final business moment here. What have you done to keep your business successful? You know, smoke and mirrors. No, I'm kidding. Hollywood. It starts with the talent. You know, it's it's uh, it's being able to. Uh, I've, I've gotten better at this. You know, it's been a learning curve, but just being able to spot who is you know, who's a good talent and who's a like a good personality. Uh, like we talked about earlier, that combo. Yeah, of, you know, uh, yeah that's what I thought you'd say. Yeah, yeah and, be, and being selective, you know, um, I think it's uh, the agent's uh, dilemma is always straddling that line between having enough talent that whatever the client asks for, you've got some options for them, but mm. not having too much talent that there's 20 people sitting around going, oh, I'm not getting any work. My agent doesn't get me any work. Who's your agent? Roger King. I don't ever want that phrase. Uh, I'm, my agent doesn't get me any work and Roger King to be like synonymous. <laughs> I don't want people walking around town doing that. So I, I constantly straddle that line, keeping the roster quality over quantity. Um, we're not a huge agency. Uh, you said in the opening, you know, I think we represent over 100 talents, but that's including uh, the ethnic side of it. Um, so on P and agency, which is English and French only, you know, we're still under 100 people. Um, right, right. So that's know, more of a boutique compared to, you know, 500 or 1,000 talent that some agents will represent. Exactly. It's just too much. Maybe and, even uh, more. Who knows? Being that you mentioned that the quality of the talent and the, the relationship that you build to know the talent really well, um, you speak to some of the things about uh, the agency life in your blog, the voiceovercanada.ca, and right. something you had mentioned reminded me of the shoulds and shouldn'ts that an agent should or shouldn't do for a talent, you mm -hmm. know, by what you said just moments ago. And I thought, oh, I would refer people to that blog because that was really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah it was, um, I, I wrote that one not too long ago. And, and uh, again, I, I find that um, even talents that have been in the business for a while, never mind people who are just getting into it or, or people who just want to know, you know, the beginnings of how it works. Um, I find some people sort of have different perspectives uh, on what an agent does or, you know, should be doing, as you said, or shouldn't be doing. Uh, you know, it, you are a team. I think people forget that sometimes. Um, agents, like we talked about earlier, we work on commission only. So there's this natural inclination to, to, say, to say yes to everything that comes in the door, you know, in terms of uh, bookings. And the talent on the other hand, has the right to say no to things and should. Uh, good talents uh, learn to say no. And then that's a real powerful place to be when you can say no and yeah. you know, still have a career, you know. And exactly. So, you know, as an example, um, I just had this this morning. A, a client was there. They're casting for a vodka commercial next week, um, a fine product. And uh <laughs> They were asking me about the rate, and I, I told them our rate, and they said it was a bit higher than their budget. 
And they were interested in, well, one particular talent and then a couple others they had on the short list. And I just talked to the talent that they were interested in. I said, here's, here's what they're offering. It's all ultimately up to you whether you want to do it. And he said, no, I, I, I think it's too low. So the, but the other two on the short list were fine with it. So then I went back to the client and said, look, you know, you can submit these two guys, but not this guy. And that's what I mean by there's a, there's a communication there where some agents might have just said, oh, yeah, it's fine. And then, and then they have to set, then they pick the talent and then they have to go and sell it to the talent. No, no, you should do it for this lower rate because, and there's really no like, uh, but I happen to know that this talent is, you know, is a very, very in tune with what rates, what he thinks rates should be. And, um, you know, and he's a good talent. And, uh, so, you know, some people might consider that, you know, diva behavior or whatever, because it wasn't a bad rate. It just wasn't quite as high as it should be. Uh, but to me, it's like, no, I'm representing talents and it's their call. Ultimately, I don't make the decision for them as a talent. Um, who was just in the studio uh, where I have my office today, who's a, who's a very passionate vegetarian. And so she won't do anything for meat products or anything for leather or anything like that. And, um, an agent needs to have that kind of relationship with the talents to be aware of, uh, you know, the things that talents will and won't do, um, and be able to have that kind of dialogue and be able to have it before committing to a booking. Right. Yeah. Do you so, think I mean, that there are other agents listening to this going, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing that. How can he take all that time? Isn't he risking losing business? <laughs> <laughs> they might very well be saying that. <laughs> um, ever, different strokes for different folks, you know. Right. Um, but, I mean, it, ultimately, it, I mean, if someone's actually saying it all that time, to me, the worst I've had, obviously, I've learned from experience. I've had those scenarios where I've had to go back to a talent. I've committed to something on their behalf that they're not happy with. And that, yeah. believe me, that takes way more time to talk okay. yourself out of that than it is to, to check in with them beforehand. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. And we're going to come back with some fun stuff with the Rorschach quiz. All right. Hello, this is Ida, and Ida loves Rebecca. Like you probably do, loving that Rebecca want to listen to the show via iTunes. Make your life easier. Hook it up through the iTunes store. Look up Love That Voiceover. Three words, Love That Voiceover. It's not so hard, is it? And then download it and put it on all your devices. So when you're portable, so is Love That Voiceover. Oh, mm, internet, it's so wonderful. Hey, we're back with Roger, and we're going to go into the Rorschach quiz. Love that voice of a Rorschach quiz. But before we do, uh, do you want to say anything about any nonprofits that you work with or charities? Do you like to give back as an agency? Actually, I'm doing, uh, awesome. my son has food allergies, so I'm, I'm going to do some pro bono stuff for uh, Anaphylaxis Canada, who you know deal with allergy awareness. Um, but we do a awesome. lot of stuff for, for Canadian Cancer Society and uh, March of Dimes and you know a lot of the well-known uh, charities and, and some local local uh, AIDS hospice kind of stuff as well. Very, very, very nice. Is there anything I missed that you would like to share? Opinions, advice, uh, any recommendations? Well, I guess, I guess I would love to hear from uh, anyone listening to your, your fine podcast. Uh, uh, if someone's in a city where they don't feel there's enough representation, uh, where there's no of one local in that city talent. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it has to be a decent size market, obviously. You know, but I mean, I'm you know, I've been curious about a lot of different cities, uh, so I'm, I encourage. You want to name a couple that way, if people are listening and they're from that, they might you know give you some. I'm curious about cities like Boston or uh, Chicago or. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm open. Um, you know, there's a couple of other Canadian cities we've, we've looked at as well that might have the need for a charming voice agent to come into town and see what's going on. <laughs> uh, you mentioned franchise earlier. I mean, I guess we would probably be setting up offices at some point in other places, too. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. Very and exciting. Roger, are you ready for the Rorschach Love That voiceover questions? I feel ready, though. I, I, feel, I feel nervous, but I'm ready. It sounds very, very perfect for what we're going to do. All right. Just answer the question for whatever comes top of mind. It's only the in the moment that counts, and there's no pressure. Just like if what? You don't, if you <laughs> Who is your favorite rock star? My favorite rock star? Interesting. Um, I, well, I've always been a diehard Led Zeppelin and a Robert Plant fan, so I, I guess Robert Plant has always been uh, my default answer. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite song? My favorite song of all them. time? Oh, God, that would N- fluctuate. Like, Over the Hills and Far Away, Led Zeppelin. Awesome. You mentioned cocktails earlier, so I'm going to ask you this question. What's your favorite beverage or cocktail? Well, I'm a, I'm a beer guy. I also enjoy wine. I've been known to uh, drink, you know, nice sipping tequilas. Um, ah. But tequilas, so you, don't, you don't finish the night with a tequila. So I'm. I'm uh, no, you kind of start in the night with the tequila. <laughs> yeah, you start the night with tequila, and then you keep going potentially. But I'm, I'm a beer guy first and foremost, and you know I tend to be microbruiser or European. If we're okay. Get specific. Yeah. Do you like the ale or the pilsner? Uh, I, 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 of those two, I would take the pilsner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Learn a little bit more about. I like Roger. a nice little pale ale every once in a while too, Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my birthday coming up. If you're looking for something, you know. Okay, excellent. Everybody, cue on that. Um, let's talk about growing up. When you were a child, what was the name of your best friend? Do you remember? Well, I, I was born in Detroit, and so uh, I spent the first nine years of my life in Michigan, and then I moved to Canada. So you mean in those early formative years? Yeah. Yeah, there was, uh, um, there was a guy named Peter Bowen. Hey, Peter, uh, shout out. <laughs> Peter, shout out. And I, I, I just was thinking about him the other day because I, the day that Elvis died, I remember being at his house and his mother came out and announced it to us. And I can picture the, the patio where we were. So I just thought of Peter Bowen the other day because I think it's the anniversary of Elvis's death. So there you go. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's a nice thing to know, though, that you share that in common, Elvis's death. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Young friendships are built on the death of, uh, of pop culture icons. <laughs> Jumping to pop culture, what guilty pleasure? Do you let yourself indulge in? For some reason, and I'm not like really into, you know, wealth or, um, but I, I, every once in a while for about a half an hour, I'll Google celebrity homes on the web. <laughs> no idea why. Awesome. Like, you know, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones own like eight homes and I, I become momentarily fascinated with it. I have no desire to own eight homes myself um, <laughs> and never would in a million years use my money that way. But I just find it interesting and, you know. So there's, I think that's definitely a guilty pleasure. That's totally a guilty pleasure. And, and I might even do it while eating Oreos. Oh, there you go. There it is. The food. Guilty pleasure and food always go hand in hand. Food always comes up. That's so funny. Yeah, for sure. Um, When will you define yourself as truly successful? That's a a good question. Um, You know what? It's hard to sum up because uh, you talk about other people wear different hats and, um, you know, there's a number of things that I'm interested in. Uh, But I guess... I think this answer is going to be a bit vague, but we'll roll with it and we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> um, when I am able to uh, come up with an, an idea, um, whether it's for, a, you know, a, a, 
maybe something to do with the voice agency or another business idea or a film. You know, I've been involved in making, trying to make films and stuff on the side um, mm-hmm. or whatever it is that I have the, um, the connections, maybe the resources, or at least the connections to put ideas in motion. And maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a nonprofit. It's a foundation thing or whatever. But I think the truly successful person, person has access and has uh, the right contacts and connections to put things in motion. And it's a bit vague, but maybe you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, and or so when you, you see those, <laughs> <laughs> and so when you've seen those things, that's when you know you've made it. Yeah, when like you've seen yeah, those things that you've put in action, then right. you know that you've hit that mark and that you've hit your moment of success. Exactly. Like I can, you know, if I, I, I want there's something I want to do, I can get the wheels in motion to do it. Right. Right. It's really, really wonderful. And in fact, it makes me think of my own dream, which was, in fact, this particular radio show. It's one of those things I did come from concept and I completed every week with wonderful people like you that want to share their stories and let me share them with everybody who wants to well, listen. Well, this is great. And you're not, you're not <laughs> sitting at, like across from your friend at dinner over the uh, margaritas saying, I'm going to get my podcast going this year. I'm going to actually do it, you know, and then... The friend asks six months later and, you, you know, no, I'm, I'm working on it. You're actually, you've executed. Yeah. yeah. I have. Those balls got in motion. Exactly. The wheels <laughs> keep turning. The wheels keep on turning. (laughs) Well, listen, Roger, it's been my pleasure to have you as a guest on Love That VoiceOver. Thank you so much. And uh, I think that's it. Unless, oh, yeah, let's leave the the podcast with um, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. So we talked about the blog earlier. So I do blog about the voice industry. It's called VoiceOver Canada, but I mean, it's not you know, most of it is relevant to anyone in the voiceover world, even if you're not in Canada. So it's voiceovercanada.ca is the website. I mentioned off air that I'm actually working on a finishing up a documentary um, about rock radio DJs called I Am What I Play. Um, so if someone's uh, out there listening that has an interest that is in radio or um, radio DJs, it's, it's sort of about the heyday of rock radio. So there'll be more on that coming. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I am what I play the movie.com. Perfect. Thanks for having me on. Perfecto. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for your generous time. No, I love it. It's great. It's fun. Thanks for listening, you sexy, beautiful, adorable person. Lots of love to you. Until next time, take care. <laughs>